My name's Jeff. I'm, uh, how are we doing this morning? Are we doing all right? Okay, good. I'm not doing so well uh, because I've got a little bit of sports hate going on in my heart. I got a little sports grudge uh, right now because you see when my team's not in the big games, I just, I just root against teams I don't like. And for you Astro fans, I don't like your team, okay? And I want to see you lose. And, and, but what's weird is I don't even get any satisfaction from it. I just don't want to see you all win. And so anyway, I've just got this little sports grudge. Anyone know what I'm talking about, right? I got a little sports grudge, a little sports hate. I also have movie grudges. Does anyone hold movie grudges? Where like if you fail me on the movie screen, actor or movie director, writer, I don't go see you ever again. So uh, Ben Affleck, uh, is that, how do you pronounce his name, by the way? Is it Affleck? Affleck? I, I don't know. Anyway, I don't care because I don't go see his movies anymore. He failed me with Armageddon, and I'm done. And now you're going to say, oh, but what about Argo? I got roped into going to see Argo, too. That could have been a good movie, except Ben Affleck was in that movie. And so I'm just telling you, I don't go see his movies. But my biggest movie grudge is a guy named M. Night Shyamalan. Y'all know it. He has wasted more of my money and my time than I care to think about. Six cents, that was fine. Signs, no. Unbreakable, no. Lady in the water, no. And everything ever since then, no. I'm done with that dude. I don't care if he gets six more Academy Awards. I'm not going to watch his stuff. I got a little movie grudge in me uh, towards this stuff. I'm not saying this is healthy. I'm living in the light with you guys. That's what we're talking about today. Um, But I am going to redeem some M. Night Shyamalan for us this morning because a lot of times when people ask me what I do, I don't say this out loud, but what goes through my head, what's that famous line from Sixth Sense? I see dead people. I just go, man, I I think that's a decent job description sometimes for for what I do. Just go, I get to see dead people. I get to walk with dead people. And here's the thing. On Tuesday nights at Regeneration, we, I know we talk about a lot here, the, the thing that I appreciate is some of the people that are dead in their trespasses, they recognize they're dead. And they're coming in and they're looking for help. The danger, and I'll be clear, the danger sometimes in a room like this is we don't recognize that we're dead. Just like the people in Sixth Sense, we've got this sense that we're walking around alive and we're actually dead. I was uh, listening to Albert Moeller this week uh, the briefing, it's a great podcast if you just want to stay uh, apprised uh, on just how you should have a Christian, a Christian perspective on the news that's coming out. Just keep your Christian worldview uh, in, in a right place. On Monday, he just led the opening uh, lead for him was just talking about an article that had said just that Christianity is collapsing in America. Uh, and so, and he just began to unpack that just uh, as he got into the article that people that identify as Christians, which doesn't mean they're following Christ as we know, but that identify as Christians, that's dropped 12 percentage points in America in about the last eight or nine years. Just Christianity has been falling uh, 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 significantly over the last three, four decades. That doesn't surprise any of us. I'm not, this isn't here to cause panic, but it, but it, it and he just got into just going, hey, we're starting to follow the path of what Western Europe went, where just by, before long, probably in the next decade, two or three, Christianity won't, will probably be in the, I don't know, maybe under the 10, 20% in what people will say that they're Christians. Now, who follows Christ, that's a completely different number. And I think why we're there is because something we talk about a lot, Todd, our pastor in Dallas, has talked about this a lot, is the American church has cut a deal with one another. 
that the pastor gets up here and says, I'm going to tell the people they're doing a good job. They're going to ask me to not do anything, not to convict them. They're going to tell me I'm doing a good job. I'm going to make sure they put money in my pockets so we can keep the lights on in the building and we can just keep telling everybody we're doing a good job. And meanwhile, we're dead people leading the dead. And that's where we find ourselves. Before you have a right understanding of what's happening in Ephesians, you need to understand Acts 20, where Paul was. Paul is just, the Acts 20, it's a beautiful chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, where Paul and, and the Ephesians, they, they don't want him to leave because they've had such a good time with Paul. And Paul gives them one last charge, just going, hey, leaders of Ephesus, here's what's going to happen. And to sum it up, he goes, you're going to feel like playing church before too long, and you're going to let some other people into your body that just want to play church, and we're not going to play church. You got, I need men that won't just play church. And then sure enough, Paul leaves Ephesians. You can read First and Second Timothy, and it's just a picture of, hey, the people in Ephesus were playing church. And the people in America have been playing church, and I just want to make sure we're not playing church and here this morning. And so I just, as we dive into Ephesians 5, let's just take a good, hard look at ourselves. Just going, hey, am I the dead person that doesn't realize they're dead? Because that's the danger, right? I say it all the time when I'm in this room. I love being in a room with men who are willing to discipline themselves, to wake up early, sit around tables, and get in God's word. That's a gift, and that's awesome, and I mean it. And the danger for us is, hey, I got up this early this morning. I'm not one of the dead people. And we sit around and we talk about God's word, but it's not changing anything here. And I'm just going, hey, there's some people in this room could be dead. And so the grace of God for all of us is to just humbly ask ourselves, could that be me this morning? So turn with me, Ephesians 5. We're, we're going to walk through what it means to walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom, the bullet points that you have in your word. Ephesians 5, let's jump in. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. There's our walk in love right there. Imitators of God. Just even the bullet points. Walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom. You can also get those in 1 John, right? Where God just goes, God is, where uh, John is saying God is love. That's 1 John 4, 8. God is light. 1 John 1, 5. The spirit is truth. 1 John 5, 6, so we've got to walk in that truth. We've got to walk in wisdom. It's like this book was, bleeds together. It's like it's truths all over the place. That's who we're supposed to imitate. And when we walk in love, specifically, it says Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. This is a self-sacrificial love that we're supposed to model, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And yet what do we do what does the enemy do, right? Any, any great thing that God has done, the enemy tries to counterfeit it. And so all of a sudden, we, we have this counterfeit love that we do that's not self-sacrificial, it's self-indulgent, verse three. But sexual immorality, that word immorality, that's porneia, that's where we get the word pornography from, and all impurity, covetousness, the, the specific use of covetousness here almost imply, the, implies the idea of, the, of coveting your neighbor's wife that must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Why? Because sin is different for the believer in comparison to the unbeliever. It's worse. And let me tell you why it's worse for the believer. It's Ephesians 1 and 2. Go back, go back and look at it. 
those of us that have been rescued, we've been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is Ephesians 1, verse 3. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless in love. There's our word right here. He predestined us for adoption to the praise of his glorious grace, verse 6. In him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. He's lavished it upon us, verse 8. Verse 18, we now have the eyes of our hearts enlightened, the riches of his glorious inheritance is for us. This is, this is why it's worse for us to be walking in, in, in self-indulgent love when we've, been self, we've received the self-sacrificial love of God. And even so, we, we who were once dead in our trespasses, Ephesians 2, and sins, we once walked Fallen the course of this world, we once lived in the passions of our flesh, we carried out the desires of our body, but God, being rich in mercy, has rescued us with his great love with which he loved us. Even while we were dead in our trespasses, he's made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And remember that at one time, you too were separated from Christ, and you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. And I'm just like, oh, let those truths sink in. Jason, right, when he unpacked it, he's like, man, we've gotten bored with that truth, and it is the truth that we're supposed to live by. And because if that's true for us, man, that's what we're called to do. And yet how many of us, we, 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 we do self-indulgent love, immorality, impurity, covetousness, let no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place for the saints, I mean, so many of my years wasted watching Saturday Night Live or the latest Will Ferrell movie or anything of that genre. I just think a great, uh, a great test of your character is what makes you laugh at the end of the day. And uh, we put, uh, we spend hours watching stuff that's foolishness in the world and we just laugh at it and then we start to try to make other people laugh by mimicking that and I'm just going that's improper behavior for the saints and I say this in my heart my own heart's being convicted for you may be sure of this that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous that is an idolater see greed see my story who has no has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God and that's a scary verse at the end of the day. You start to go, is that me? What? And right, you gotta, we're in Ephesians. This is an incredible book of the Bible. It's by grace you've been saved. It's not by works. And so you haven't earned your salvation. You can't lose your salvation. But this, this verse should be a good reminder to go, hey, have I really bought into that grace? Have I fully understood it? Am I one of them? And then the reality is, is that there are some carnal believers that, have been rescued by grace, and then their life doesn't look anything like it. Go see who's called Righteous Lot in Hebrews, and you go look at his life in, in Genesis, and I don't see him do anything faithful, it feels like, in God's word. And yet we know he's in heaven. He's considered righteousness because he's got the righteousness of Christ on him. And there, it's very true that, that those that have been rescued by grace backslide. For those of you that don't know my story, I have seven significant years of backsliding in my life. And it's all, and it's true. But at the end of the day, our best, the best case scenario is 1 Corinthians 3, that your work here is burned up on this earth and you, 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 you get into heaven barely escaping the flames. Your worst case scenario is you get to heaven, you, you stand before the Lord and you hear, like, depart from me, I never knew you. 
you knew a lot of my word. You, you, you said a lot of verses and you showed up at Thursday morning, but there was no relationship ever here. But when you walk in love, you begin to understand, okay, there's a greater call on my life. And, and, and when you start to move away from self-indulgent love to self-sacrificial love, then you start to go, you can start to look at your life with humility and still go, hey, that's Christ working in me, but that is fruit that I can go, okay, maybe I have been rescued. Let no one deceive you with empty words, verse six, for be, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Don't be deceived. One thing that I just, I, I, I've been doing of late, and, and, and it's good, Psalm 101.3. I will set, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. Psalm 101.3, 10.13. In the morning and in the evening, I just have a non-buzzing alarm show up on my phone to just remind me of that verse right there. 10, 13 in the morning, a couple hours after I've been in God's word and I'm prone to start wanting to do something else, a little alarm comes up on my phone. It says, stop, you know, set no worthless thing before my eyes. And it's like, yes, get back to work. 10, 13 at night, whew, I've turned off many things when I see that little alert on my phone. Don't do it. Don't be deceived by empty words. None of that, I'll just tell you, this is, the, this is the American church. Don't cut the deal. Don't let me cut the deal with you, and you don't cut the deal with me. Let's not be deceived by empty words. Todd says it all the time, I, and I finally believe that it's true, that the greatest evil in America is the dead church. And I think the greatest evil in the dead church is we make light of sin. We don't call sin sin, or we don't call sin a big deal. Sin is a big deal, my friends. I see its devastation every Tuesday night. I've seen its devastation in, in my life, and it's a big deal, and let's not trifle with it. Let's not be deceived. Verse 7, walk in the light. Therefore, do not become partners. Don't partner with them. For at one time, that was you. At one time, you were darkness, but now you are light. You are light in the Lord. And so when I say uh, when I talk about and when I see reports about the decline of Christianity in America, when I, when I hear about the secularization of America, it doesn't cause me to panic. Because I've all, just, you know, you read God's word and you know you're either part of the revival or you're part of the remnant. And right now it looks like we're heading to be part of the remnant. And here's the cool thing about being part of the remnant is light's more valuable in the darkness. And so when you walk in the light, there's darkness more and more around it. Your light is... is is a precious commodity right now, and we need you to walk in boldness with it. And so there's value in how you can walk with strength right now. And don't be caught off guard when sinners are doing crazy things in the world. All they're doing is fulfilling their job description. They're sinning. It's, that's what they do. We don't panic. It's our job to fulfill our job description. You want to know our job description? It's right here. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Your life is supposed to bear fruit. Light bears fruit and try. Here's a great job description for you. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. That's what light does. Light goes into the darkness and, and we begin to expose it and we bring life that which is good and right and true to other people. 
And so where do you start? Where do you start? Where do you start exposing the unfruitful deeds of the darkness? With yourself. It's the only place you can ever start. Being poor in spirit, begin with yourself. You've got this, right? You've got this inventory page in your notebook. I know you all have been working on it uh, this last week. This is where you begin. You start, you start taking the light of God. You start taking his word and you start investigating your own life going, hey, where's my life not adding up? And you start writing it down. Step, this is step four in regeneration, inventory. For those of you that haven't gone through, invent, through regeneration, you've probably heard about this step because this is the step where people panic, they start crying, and they quit region because they think this is punishment. And I'm here to tell you, this step is the biggest gift I can give you is for you to start investigating your life and to start writing down. One, you put it down on paper. Here's mine right here, it's 32 pages. This is my inventory that I did four and a half years ago. There's nothing more damning in my life than this document. Nothing, it's got everything from when I was one, two, five, 10, 15, 20, 30. I'm still adding to it. Put something in there last week. There's nothing more damning and I just don't care anymore. If who sees it, I, I can't tell you, I, I, there's probably 50 people that know this document, 50. And many of you know the, the worst stuff in here already because we expose those things. We don't take part in them any longer. Now, let's be clear, we also, when verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, we don't celebrate what's in there. I'm not here to celebrate, hey, I've got 32 pages of mentor. Don't hear that as a brag in the slightest. but we expose it, we bring it to the light. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light, and it is a gift to be in the light. And believer, you've got no business walking in the darkness. And I'm just telling you, in a room like this, I know there's men that are dabbling in pornography and maybe you, you feel like you're experiencing victory because it's only been once every six weeks and it used to be once every day, but no one knows. And you just go, hey, I, I kind of got away with it. And I think I'm okay. My search history's been deleted. Nobody can check it. And, and you think you've gotten away with it. And I'm just telling you, you're wandering around in the darkness and you've actually received God's judgment. He's not mad at you. But the fact that you think you've gotten away with it is your consequence, because you haven't gotten away with anything. It still loiters in your soul, and it still eats away at you, and I know it. And you gotta confess it, you bring it to the light, that's what godly men do. And I just want you to know you're in a safe place, you're at a church where we don't ever meet anyone with pitchforks. We meet people with patience when they confess. We pray for them so that healing can enter into their life. We walk in the light and we, we love people as Christ has loved us. We too have been rescued from while we were still dead in our trespasses. We know the gospel, we know Ephesians. So get in the light. Some of you spend more time messing with your money and your bank accounts and your fantasy sports and your waiver wires and I'm just get that stuff in the light get it in front of people some of you aren't in God's word and you got to be talking about that don't just start throwing out random verses you need to tell people I'm not in God's word you need to expose that to the light God loves light and if he loves you he'll expose you I'm just telling you if he loves you he'll expose you Charles Spurgeon says it this way he goes God never lets his children sin successfully you feel like you've gotten away with sin, I would be concerned. 
I was for seven years. I was getting away with my sin, and I started to go, I'm not even sure I'm a believer. My life doesn't add up. Just because I confessed, I didn't earn back my salvation. It was a sign that there was salvation. There was a sign that the Spirit of God was in me. I had quenched him for seven long years. But if God loves you, he'll expose you. And I'll just tell you this right now. It's best if you expose yourself. It's so much better than getting caught. If you get caught, your heart, your heart starts to harden in weird ways. But when you confess, you're in a soft place. And God knows how to deal with, with tender hearts. Hebrews 4.13, you can find verses like this all over the Bible. And I don't say this to scare you. I say this, this is a gift. This is a gift. I used to read these verses and think that they were punishment. It just says, no creature is hidden from his sight. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. It's all coming out at some point. It's all coming out at some point. You can go to Luke 8.17. You can go to Romans 2.16. You can go to 1 Corinthians 4.5. It's all coming out at some point better now in the days of faithfulness, in the days of where you've got to trust God, not just with your eyes. Today's the better day to get it out there. One day we're going to all stand bef naked before him. I'd rather be naked right now. It's God's gift for you to do that. Work on inventory. Come find us in Regen. It's a gift to you. The last little thing I'll say there is be John Owen, faithful Puritan. Be killing sin or sin be killing you. And so you better be ready, be, be exposing it. And if sin's killing me, man, I've got to get it in front of other people. Not just my sin from 15, 20 years ago. It's why we ask you in community groups all the time, right? How are you feeding your flesh? Every week you're taking a weekly inventory of, of, of where are you feeding your flesh? Where, where have you slipped up? Not for punishment's sake, but to get it into the light because being in the light's a gift. <sighs> Walk in wisdom. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. I see dead people, but mm, I love when they awake. And Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you will walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. I mean, every time I read those passages, I just got Romans 13, 10 through 14 cross-referenced. Verse 11, actually, Romans 13, do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is near to us and when we first believe, the, the night is almost gone, the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. I mean, sound familiar? Put on the armor of light. We're gonna talk about that, Ephesians 6, in a couple of weeks. Let us behave properly as in the day not in carousing and in drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity, sensuality, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. We gotta be wise in how we walk. Look, I'll just tell you this right now, and this may sound horrible, this is the truth. If I'm sitting with your wife on a couch at 11 p.m., it's not gonna go well for me, it's not gonna go well for your marriage. I'm just telling you that now. And so I walk Wise, because my flesh is evil, the days are evil, and I've got to be careful. And so I never put myself in that situation, right? You work it all the way back to where you just go, hey, what's, you, you, it's always good to know where sin begins, and you stay away, the, the, the prudency danger, and they hide themselves and stay far away from that stuff. So you walk as wise. You know that your flesh, you know your flesh is, it just wants to run a million different ways. I am 
hours away from blowing it significantly all the time. And so I live with the holy fear that I've got to make no provision for my flesh. Don't indulge it even in the slightest. I've got to walk as wise. Here's what happens when you begin to walk as wise. And it's the thing that you and I always want. Like we've wanted this since we were a little kid. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Like, have you not always just go, I want to know what God's will is for my life. I want to know what God's will is for my life. I just, what is it? I just, God, who am I supposed to marry? What job am I supposed to do? And we just go, what's your will for my life? I'll tell you his will for your life. 1 Thessalonians 4.3. The will of God for your life, it says, is your sanctification. God wants you to see, become more like Christ. And that, the, the little, it, it goes on after that, but the, after this it goes, the, where does it begin? Abstain from sexual immorality. That's where it begins. Romans 12, a lot of you know that verse. Present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Offer everything that you are up to God. That's your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and discern what the will of God is. The reason why you don't understand the will of God is because we're, we're feeding our flesh. When you feed your flesh, you're not listening to the spirit. And then you start wondering, what's God's will for my life? But when you begin to walk in faithfulness, you begin to go, oh my gosh, in some ways it doesn't matter what job I have. I just got to be faithful wherever I am. I'm supposed to be faithful in my neighborhood. He's placed me in my neighborhood. I better go be faithful. I better go be light in my neighborhood. Don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. That's, some of you are tinkering with that right now. Be yielded to the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. <laughs> Look, I, there's a lot of ways you can read that. I just, in, in, in this, I just the one thing I just want to remind, I, at this point in my life, somebody who was a coward for most of his life, I just assume there's... I, that a lot of people are cowards like me. And so now I'm just going, I just, I, I better speak up. I'm just gonna assume at this point I'm one of the more courageous people in the room. I'm, a, I'm, I'm one of the more courageous people in my neighborhood. I'm one of the more courageous people at my workplace. I'm one of the more courageous people in my family. And so I better speak up because I know what I used to be and I know the call on my life now and I want to speak up now. I don't wanna wait for a different day and so I'm just calling you men. I want you to speak up. Assume you're the most courageous pe person in your neighborhood because you probably are in your neighborhood needs you. Assume you're the most courageous person at your work because your work needs you. Speak up. Walk in love. Walk in light. Use God's wisdom while you do it. And there's plenty of it just in this book alone, Ephesians. What a gift it is to, hadn't it been a gift to just walk through Ephesians this semester? Let me just tell you this. I, if and I'll close with this. If, if your life is boring, I'll just be really clear. You, you're not following the same God I'm following. If your life is boring, you're not a fully devoted follower of Christ. For most of my life, my life was born. I was always looking for the next thing, and it just was like, that didn't satisfy, that didn't satisfy, that didn't satisfy. And because I wasn't, I wasn't following the God I thought I was trying to follow, I wasn't a fully devoted follower of Christ, for sure. And my life was a mess. Just in the last month alone, just in the last month alone, I got to stand before 175 leaders in Uganda who are the remnant in Uganda, and they're trying to take the light to that country. 
I've got 13 dear friends that I'm partnered with in Colorado right now that are trying to smuggle Bibles into China, Laos, and Thailand. As we speak, they're like crossing the border of China. And I just get to partner with them. And look, let's just be clear. I, I, like Paul in Ephesians 3, I'm the least of all the saints. I don't, I'm not trying to be the hero here. Christ is the hero in all of this. I was a fool that would wake up at 2 in the morning to look at pornography and gamble online. That's who I am in my flesh, and God rescued me from that, and he's given me a purpose. Christ is the hero in that story. Always is, and yet he's now, the adventure that I tried to seek in a hundred other things, I found in following Christ, and so let's go. I got this got to spend time with 150 men this morning. What a gift. I get six to eight people. I'm getting disciple. It's all a gift. But let me just tell you my favorite thing. My favorite thing. It doesn't, it's not smuggling Bibles. It's not doing anything other than watching dead people come to life. That's my favorite thing to get to do. And that is a gift when you get to do it. I don't play any part in it. I just get to watch it happen. It's God who takes people from darkness into life. But he gives me a front row seat to watch it. And it is a beautiful seat to sit in. And I want you to have the same experience that I have. And if you're dead this morning, I want you to know we love you. We're for you. We'll meet you with patience. If you're dabbling with death, get it in the light now. And if you're walking faithfully, keep going. Your light's more valuable.